you're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. Matchin once wrote that strange things are lost and forgotten in obscure corners of the newspaper. Welcome to Forgotten Darkness, a podcast that will aim to prove that that statement is true. For some time prior to October 1905, the hitherto quiet and orderly village of Hillsville in Lawrence County, Pennsylvania, was gradually becoming overrun with a lawless band of Italians, who were gradually gathering at that place on account of the large limestone quarries in the immediate vicinity. There was no serious outbreak of crime among these Italians until about October 1905, when the criminal element seemed to boldly assert its power and defiance of all law and order, and black crimes were committed on every hand for a time with apparent impunity. No matter how boldly the crime was committed, Italians and Americans feared alike. Men were at all times in danger of the stiletto or the shotgun, from open attack or from ambush. During the last three months of 1905 and the first two months of 1906, Men of all classes were being sent to the hospitals at Newcastle, Pennsylvania, and Youngstown, Ohio, with their throats cut, faces slashed, and other horrible wounds. Two Americans and three Italians were murdered. All game laws were openly defied, and every attempt on the part of the officers of the law to punish an Italian for for a crime committed was met by the stiletto or shotgun. During this period, L.S. Houck, State game protector, a man of powerful build and of great courage and determination, endeavored to enforce the state laws relative to the illegal destruction of game. On account of these persistent efforts, he was foully murdered on the afternoon of March 2nd, 1906, at about 5.30 p.m., as subsequent investigation proved. In a small piece of wood between the town of Hillsville and Mahoning Creek, on the side hill between the quarries and the creek, and but a short distance below an Italian store kept by Rocco Racco, an Italian who seemed to be the leader of a band of the worst element of his countrymen. The body of Halk was not found until April 26, 1906. In the meantime, a most determined effort had been made by the game commissioner, under the direction of its very competent secretary, Dr. Joseph Kalbfuss, ably assisted by the then-county detective J. Lee McFate, to locate L.S. Halk. Very little, however, was learned other than about the place where Halk was last seen alive, and the further development of crime, where in one instance the county detective with a small posse of men attempted to arrest an Italian, and this was met with a fusillade of shouts from this Italian band, and during the attempt to make the arrest, 30 or 40 shots were fired and returned by the county detective and his men. 
the county detective was wounded, also one of his men, and they finally fought their way out, but did not succeed in taking the man whom they had attempted to arrest. At the time when Halk was murdered, the water in Mahoning Creek was very high, and it remained so until the last of April, when it commenced to fall rapidly, and during the last few days of the month, it was quite low. On Sunday, the 26th day of April, some section men, while walking along the railroad running along the bank of the creek, at a point opposite Kennedy Station, and in a nearly straight and nearly straight down from the point in the woods where Halk was last seen alive, saw a pair of boots above the water. Investigation developed the fact that the boots were on the feet of the body of a man, that the body was weighed down by large stones which had been piled upon it, and when they were removed, the body was at once recognized as that of L.S. Halk. Examination revealed the fact that a heavy charge of number 6 shot, mixed with square-cut pieces of lead and ship shot, fired at close range, had torn a large hole in the breast and lung. The body showed that the murderers had jumped on and kicked it after death in a most brutal manner. They also apparently run the, guzzle, the muzzle of the gun into Hauk's mouth, tearing a hole through the membrane covering the roof of the mouth, and forcing same almost through the back of the head. On the body was Halk's valuable gold watch and chain, and a valuable ring also on his finger, and over $200 was in his pocket, thus showing that the murderer had not been committed for robbery, but for revenge. On May 4, 1906, Dr. Joseph Kalbfuss, Secretary of the State Game Commission, called on Pinkerton's National D Detective Agency of Philadelphia, and placed the whole case before the officials of that agency with a request that the murder of Hauk be taken up and investigated, and pursued vigorously and relentlessly with a view of bringing the murderer or murderers to justice. Pinkerton's National Detective Agency at once took up the work, which soon developed the fact that there was a very powerful combination among the Italians in Hillsville, known only as the Society, which later developed as the Black Hand Society, and on later investigation that the Society at Hillsville was only a factor and one of many powerful societies located in many cities and villages, where any number of Reggio Calabrian Italians can be found. It also developed the fact that the society was nothing less than the Italian Mafia, and the Black Hand Society, bad as it is in itself, is but one issue connected with the Mafia. Each society in each city or place where, this, where a society is found has its headman, so termed. Usually when a murder or serious crime is committed, the head of the society in another state sends a man to commit the murder, and then the society spirits away the murderer, furnishing the money, and usually sends him to the head man of the society in another city and another state, who hides the man until all danger of his being apprehended is past. Then he is sent to some safe place and given work, or, if the danger of discovery is too great, the man is smuggled away among a lot of Italians returning to Italy and is returned to that country where the Italian Mafia hides him until the danger of arrest is passed. It was soon learned that Rocco Racco, a Reggio Calabrian, then headman of the Hillsville Society, and a brother-in-law of Rocco Racco, were the probable murderers of L.S. Hauk. But according to their oaths in the society, which binds them together and under which no member dares by word or action to give one particle of information, the penalty for giving away anything being death, even if accidentally given, his conviction would at first have been impossible. 
During this investigation, Squire William Duff was shot in the face and murdered in cold blood, but a few hundred feet from his own door and on his own premises at the noon hour for simply requesting two members of the Italian society to not shoot Robbins on his place. Squire Duff recognized that one of the Italians was Joe Collot and said that he shot him. There was, however, serious doubt about this, but Rocco Racco spirited away Joe Collot, he having gone at once to Rocco Racco's house. The other man was not at the time learnt, known, but it was later learned by the Pinkertons that the man who really shot Squire Duff was Domenico Senato, but his whereabouts were unknown, he, too, having been quietly spirited away. Later, both men were located by the Pinkertons with the assistance of District Attorney Charles H. Young and County Detective Logan, and both men were brought back to Newcastle and charged with the crime and indicted. Hi, we're the hosts of the Fresh Hell podcast. I'm Annie in Boston, Massachusetts. And I'm Johanna in Vienna, Austria. Join us every Wednesday for a new terrible story. I focus mostly on cases in the United States, and not just true crime, like the terrifying axe murders on Smutty Nose Island, but also shocking stories like the New Jersey shark attacks of 1916. And I love to tell you about more obscure European cases. And let me tell you, Germany has produced more cannibals than one would think. So if you're a fan of true crime, but you also enjoy terrible stories of all sorts, give us a listen. We'll tell you everything you need to know, and then some. Come find Fresh Hell Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Auf Wiedersehen. Hope to see you soon. there, I'm Logan. And I'm Lindsay. And we host the new podcast, Folklore on the Rocks, where we talk about folklore and lesser-known creatures, cryptids, and monsters from around the world. So when we say lesser-known, we mainly mean that we won't be covering creatures like Bigfoot or Nessie or Chupacabra, just because they're discussed so often, and the world just has so many other awesome options to draw from. Every two weeks, we will be diving deep into the legends and culture that surround a specific creature. And getting a little bit tipsy while we do so. But don't worry, we do our research sober. <laughs> On the weeks in between, we're going to be narrating and discussing folktales. Some will be historical folklore from the regions that our creatures are from, and some will be modern folklore, such as no sleeps and creepypastas. Ooh. You can find out more about us on our website, FolkloreOnTheRocks.com, on Facebook and Instagram at FolkloreOnTheRocks, on Twitter at FolkloreRocks! So grab a drink, join us, and come on, let's dig deep together. While Senato did the shooting, Collot told Senato to shoot, thus making him equally guilty. Through the persistent effort of, efforts of the Pinkertons, Senado has made a, a full confession, as well as his collot. During the long investigation, it was learned that James Murdocco, the brother-in-law of Rocco Racco, had left almost immediately after the murder of Hauk and returned to Italy. 
It was also learned that Rocco Racco was secretly endeavoring to dispose of his store in his house with the intention of returning to Italy, and to avoid carrying out his intentions and secretly leaving Hillsville. An old case against Rocco Racco, charging him with larceny as Bailey, was pushed against him through the efforts of ex-county detective J. Lee McFate. Rocco Racco was convicted on this charge and at once took an appeal. The case was of very little importance, but was desperately fought by Rocco Racco, as he was in great fear of being committed to jail, fearing that if once in jail, a charge of murder might be lodged against him. The new trial of his case was pending when Rocco Racco succeeded in being released on $2,000 bail, furnished by the Mafia Society through a private individual. Rocco Racco then returned to his home in Hillsville, where he remained two or three days, then quietly went to Lowellville, Ohio, saying he was going there to work. He remained there for some time, watching for an opportunity to get away unobserved. He apparently took the first opening and disappeared. His absence was soon noted by the Pinkertons, who, at once, started a trace on his movements, at the same time notifying County Detective Lee McFate, who had the bail piece forfeited. And when the Pinkertons located Rocco Racco under the name of Giuseppe Argio in the private house of the headman of the New York Mafia Society, F. Falasto, County Detective J. Lee McFate went to New York and assisted the Pinkertons in returning Rocco Racco to the Newcastle jail, where shortly afterwards, the judge denied him a new trial and sentenced Rocco Racco to the Allegheny County workhouse for one year. During the serving of the sentence, the Mafia Society, under the name of the Black Hand Society, sent broadcast many threatening letters, demanding money, such letters threatening death if the requests were not complied with, and where the requests were not complied with, a bomb under or near the party's door was usually exploded to force the order and terrify the party. By order of the headmen of the Mafia, men were being cut into pieces, sometimes murdered in their open meetings, and again men had their faces cut in the daytime while at work or on the road, and again in their homes. The, mem- the members of the Mafia Society carried out to the fullest extent the headman's orders to-, to cut, mortally wound, and murder, feeling perfectly safe that they would be protected from the officers of the law, and whenever one was arrested, that the others would secure his liberty, no matter whether by fair or foul means. Under these conditions, men of the better class of Italians were driven away from this section, as well as the Americans. At this point, the Interstate Limestone Association of Pennsylvania and Ohio was compelled to take some action against the society or else close their works. After due consideration, they called upon the Pinkertons for, the Pinkerton Agency for assistance. The work was taken up by the agency with full knowledge that to successfully accomplish the object desired, a full knowledge must be obtained of the secret of the secrets and secret workings of the most bloodthirsty, determined, and defiant society the world had ever known, who are banded together by the most terrible and blood-curdling oaths, in which they enter into a compact to submit to the cutting out of their hearts an instant death, for the giving of the slightest information, or hesitating to commit murder at the command of their leaders, or for assisting in the slightest degree an officer of the law, or for hesitating to murder such an officer, should they have reason to think that he knew in any way of their secrets." Difficult, dangerous, and desperate as the proposition was, the Pinkerton Agency did not hesitate a moment in taking up the work, and in less than one year, the agency solved all of their mysteries and came to know all the inner workings of the Mafia Society. 
secured the evidence, and with the loyal, untiring, and faithful support of District Attorney Young and County Detective Logan of Lawrence County, 19 of the leaders of the Mafia Society were brought before the Bar of Justice, convicted, and sentenced to terms of imprisonment, the total of which amount, amounts to nearly 100 years. During this investigation, it was learned that at the time L.S. Hauk was so foully murdered, Rocco Racco was not only the leader of a desperate gang as supposed, of 10 or 12 men, but was the leader and head of the Mafia Society in Hillsville, with more than a thousand men at his command. Any one or all to obey his slightest request, and that he was and that he was most bitter against the state officials, and particularly against L.S. Hauk, and instead of commanding one of his infamous gang to kill Hauk, swore to do it himself to satisfy his personal revenge. The Pinkerton's National Detective Agency, with their now personal knowledge of the inside workings of the Mafia, were requested by the state to again take up and pursue the Hauk case through Dr. Joseph Kalbfuss. The Pinkerton Agency again took up the case, and by the use of every means at their command forced the members of the Mafia, regardless of their terrible oaths, to testify to the facts regarding the Hauk murder. Again, ably assisted by District Attorney Young and Detective Logan, Rocco Racco, before the termination of his sentence to the Allegheny County Workhouse, was arrested, charged with the murder of L.S. Hauk, and indicted by the grand jury. Tried and found guilty of murder in the first degree at Newcastle, Pennsylvania, Saturday, September 19, 1908. This ends one of the longest, most desperate, and difficult investigations of murder, crowned with success and victory for law and justice, which the world has ever witnessed. And since they didn't say it in that write-up there, Rocco Racco was executed on October 26, 1909 at the Newcastle Prison. And that's the end of this episode. Photos associated with this week's story will be on my Instagram at Forgotten Darkness. If you have a question, a comment, or if you know a lesser-known story that you'd like to see covered, leave a comment on the podcast page, post it to the Facebook page at Forgotten Darkness Podcast, or send it to our email at ForgottenDarkness77 at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at Forgotten Darkness Podcast, and you can DM me ideas there. I also now have a Patreon at patreon.com slash forgdark. That's F-O-R-G-D-A-R-K. Until next time, this is Andrew, signing off. This podcast is a part of Straight Up Strange Productions. 
Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com.